Zito from seventh to first in the final event. You are a champion. And Oleksiak has done it! The girl from the six has got six Olympic medals. The substitute for Canada just about gets it through. It's a glory gold for Canada. Kathy Lifting goes up to Graham, takes the lead, looks a winner, draws away from Graham and Mary. This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. Champion. Welcome back to Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast, an award-winning Olympics podcast. Let's add on on there. Um, always important. And we interrupt this regularly scheduled Women's World Cup coverage to bring you an interview with one of the all-time great Olympians from either of our country or both of our countries uh, or any country. Uh, but we are lucky to be able to talk to the first ever Aussie slash Canadian. <laughs> Officially, the first ever Aussie slash Canadian. It's almost as if Ben and Jared and I have become one person in an Olympic gold medalist. This has been all of our dreams. Today we have Simon Whitfield, and uh, I'm calling him Ben's here as well. Hello. Ben, say it's, hello. It's, there you uh, go. Uh, uh, hello, and it's appropriate that this Aussnadian does like three different sports in one. So, yeah. You know, it just, I think it makes sense. Aussnadian is the best. <laughs> There's our country. We've been looking for what is our version of like, what is it? Turflakistan or whatever the the keep the flame alive has. Yep, we get Osnadia. <laughs> Osnadia or, or or like Constralia. Constralia. No, that sounds like a question. Nah, Osnadia is better. <laughs> Should have quit with your head, Ben. <laughs> Story of my life, but, uh, Colin. <laughs> but I mean, this was actually really fun. I think uh, this this is it was a very different interview. I mean, you, we kind of mm. go into these interviews and we try to prep as much as possible. We try to listen to the interviews. I mean. Simon is such a super laid back guy and incredibly intelligent. I think uh, more than just going into the details of, oh, yeah, this is what it was like winning the gold medal. I mean, he gets really deep into the, the mindset and everything, which was just fascinating. I think it's a triathlete interview type because obviously when we had Jazz on a few weeks back, you know, that was a very deep dive emotional interview. And so within now two triathletes we've had on, they've had very unique styles of interviews. And I think it's, yeah, like it's, it's great to kind of hear Simon's insights into his career and just that different perspective he's able to give answers from. And I think he kind of explains things in a way that I've never really heard before. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a fantastic insight. And it's also that level where we joke about this sort of Canadian-Australian connection, but Simon is a, a dual Canadian-Australian citizen, grew up a lot of his life in Australia. And some of the stories he tells, the story you'll hear in particular regards to his very unique connection to Sydney and mm-hmm. just being in an area where, which would become very significant to him in the future and his Olympic journey. It's, it's an insane story that I've never heard an athlete being able to recall. So, uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot in this interview that I think a lot of people will get out of. And he's such a, as you said, laid back, funny, like everything about this living in Victoria, where I used to live in, in Canada, of course, and a pretty significant moment in his career happened in Winnipeg where you are as well. Mm-hmm. So lots of connections to, to us here and off the podium. Yeah. So everybody enjoy this, uh, intellectual, entertaining, laid back chat with Osnady, his own <laughs> Simon Whitfield.
Well, one sport might be enough for uh, the majority of our guests, but uh, for our best guests, we want to talk to people who have mastered multiple sports, maybe triple the amount of sports, and somehow managed to become inaugural champions in that. Uh, today, we're talking to another triathlete, one of our favorite sports from the Olympics, and our guest today has had countless World Cup wins, uh, Pan Am Games wins, gold medals from the Commonwealth Games, Canadian Sports Hall of Fame inductee, uh, two Olympic medals, including the title as the first ever male gold medalist in the sport. And uh, 23 years later, he's adding another first to his re resume as the first ever Canadian slash Australian that we've ever had on off the podium, which couldn't make us happier. We've been waiting seven, eight years now to get a Canadian and an Australian. So Ben and I can stop uh, representing two sides. Uh, somebody who's checking all the boxes here. Yes. We're so happy to welcome the one and only Simon Whitfield. Simon, thanks so much for coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me, and thanks for giving me the plug on the old Aussie side and for things that happened uh, many moons ago in a galaxy far away. <laughs> yeah, thanks, for, thanks for having me. It, yeah. it, we're excited to talk about uh, the Australian connection, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into here. But uh, first of all, the, the triathlon to me, this is one of the most fascinating sports because you, you have stuff like the decathlon where you're doing one event at a time. I mean, this is a single event where you're mastering three separate disciplines and you're doing them back to back to back. And I mean, I would think any athlete's going to train years and years and years to get to that. And I think the craziest thing that I found is that you got into this before you hit puberty. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy to me to think that somebody would actually even dare to compete in this, you know, when they were what, 11, 12 years old. I mean, how do you fall into any of these sports individually, let alone a triathlon at such a young age? Uh, I think I think it was just an excuse to be outside and, and having a you know a short attention span. It gave you lots of things to think about and focus on. Um, it's such a great sport for that. It, you're you're at the end of the day, you're just out exploring the great outdoors, you know, and and you're having these these ridiculous skills in this arbitrary event is is a bonus to that, all of that. So I, I just had a love of being in the lake and. I love being out on my bike and I was a good runner and I played other sports, but I found this sport of triathlon and then it was all things every day, all day for many, many years. And, uh, yeah, as they say, the rest is history. Oh, and it's, uh, it's a great sport though. Yeah. Speaking of history, I, I love, uh, the quote that you apparently said when you were younger that you just wanted to be an encyclopedia Britannica. You, you know, that was kind of what you wanted to, wanted to, which I did a bit of a, a search on that, Simon. And according to Lisa, the website, you're not on there, which I mean, come on, that's, that's not, that's not come great. On, I know. Like, where, what's the deal with that going on there? But out of fourth discipline there. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. But, you know, what's funny is you, years down the line, you, you end up saying these things. A lot of the times you've, I've, in my case, I've said these things just to answer the question. Right. So someone's like, <laughs> what's the goal? And I say like, I I, I want to, I want to be an encyclopedia. And they go, okay, <laughs> cool. And then like 25 years later, so I was like, so one day you said you want to be an encyclopedia. I'm like, oh yeah, I was kind of, I was joking at the time. Well, I think that goes half <laughs> our questions for today, Simon. We might be screwed for the rest of this interview. So you didn't, okay, gotcha. Um, That's a true story. I also apparently own a blueberry farm. Not oh, a yeah. true story. Okay. And uh, I've heard a couple other good ones that I literally along the way, I mean, there's some gems along the way that I said just in jest. And then years later came to be like, oh, I did. I suppose I did say that. And I was just joking. But Actually, anyway, that's, I, I love, uh, yeah, I love that, them. though, because that's like one of those ones where it kind of reminds me like you, you get these really trashy like supermarket magazines, right? Where it's like, 
you know, King Charles is definitely leaving Camilla because they said this, they said that. Easiest type of journalism in the world. But, like, that's what I would always think, that if I was somebody in the public eye, I would, like, feed these lines to these things, like you're saying there, to have fun with it. Because you're just like, let's see how much they go on. You know, hey, People magazine, <laughs> Simon Whitfield says that he's secretly dating Meghan Markle and it's on the front page next week. Like, it'd be fun. Modern-day clickbait. I think it's a, it's a, it's a I, you know what it's a tribute to is the Aussie it's the Aussie in me. That's an, it's a very, <laughs> that's an Aussie humor, right? Yep. Like you're taking the piss and, and that's, I grew up with an Aussie dad and I had, was enamored with all things Australian until I went there. And then I was in a boarding house um, and learned how to, you, uh, you just, you, you took the piss and you got the piss taken out of you. And that I learned that there. And you're so, <laughs> <laughs> on your mate it's like, it's like it's, a, it's such a great mix of cultures because it's kind of like this joking laid back taking the piss mixed with a very nice apologetic friendly type of like yeah. canada and australia are the perfect blend of cultures if you ask me yeah that no that's uh thank you that's uh <laughs> that works you're right because you can like blame it on either side you can like <laughs> and then apologize say, oh, for I'm it later i'm so sorry <laughs> totally i'm like oh mate i'm sorry i was just as my canadian my Aussie side came out and they're like, did you just say what you really think? And now you're, you're backing out of it by saying, just kidding. I'm Canadian. And yes. Yes, I am. That's exactly. exactly what happened. So yeah, there's a bit of that going on. You know, uh, interested oh, to hear about uh, the, the move to Australia, but I mean, before you even move there, I mean, I, I don't think many people outside of Canada understand the significance of well, your hometown. And I'm hoping this isn't like the blueberry farm. I mean, Kingston, Ontario, uh, I mean, music alone. I mean, the, the, this is the home of the tragically hit Brian Adams, and you, you add to that oh, sports, well and then you wow. add to that like this Don isn't Cherry. a meatloaf. I'm sorry, yeah. this <laughs> is the like when I, I you know called out somebody from living in the town of Meatloaf, and they had no fucking clue about that. Like, <laughs> careful with your research. I've seen how this has gone before. <laughs> I, 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 I can I imagine, though, especially like growing up. Yeah. You know, you got Don Ch and my favorite hockey player of all time, Doug Gilmore. I mean, it, Doug was Gilmore, was that's right there? You go. Yeah, it, it was. Was it significant growing up there? Like, uh, it, it, had it quite reached that point it's, where you realize this is like the home of champions in Canada? <laughs> I love that you know that. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're in grade nine, and, or I was in grade eight actually, and my grandmother said, "There's this band. Have you heard of them from your school called the Tragically Hip?" And I'm like, "No, no, Grand. I've never heard of them." And I hadn't. And then we're. 14 years old and we're at Fort Henry and Gord Downey's doing his thing. And I'm like, that's that guy from like, <laughs> I've seen his picture in the hallway at school. And, uh, and then obviously the, to the legacy of this incredible Canadian band. And it's funny, I got a new mountain bike the other day. And for some reason I just felt it was appropriate. I went and I put on a live hip album and went out mountain biking and, uh, yeah, they what a what a legacy. The hip of being, uh, I think, isn't Dan Aykroyd a Kingstonian? Um, yeah, Don Cherry is a wow. Kingstonian. <laughs> uh, Kirk Kirk Muller, uh, and uh, yeah, it's a great town. It was a great place to be from. I love going back and visiting, whether it's Wolf Island or, or Kingston. Victoria's got a lot of Kingston, and you know, there's something to be said for uh, just that that the there's just something historical here that's that has a bit of a flavor of Kingston. So yeah, I great heard, hometown, great place to be ben, from, great place to visit. 
Not sure. Off the podium host Ben Waterworth uh, once upon a time from Victoria. So there you go. Exactly. <laughs> the I, fame the, of Victoria. I'm, I'm on the wall of fame now for Victoria for my uh, short, brief stint I uh, I lived in the city. Which is, it's so funny when I moved there. Uh, you, you know, it's sort of through a relationship I was in at the time. And when I first met her and she told me she was from Victoria, literally the first thing I said to her, oh, 94 Commonwealth Games. Like, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's what I knew it from, um, you know. So. Right. Oh, the snowstorm in 97. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, because they, they, always, Sorry, they always like to remember those, those snowstorms. But just uh, on yeah. the other sports you played as a kid, because, I mean, I can imagine – Anybody who does a sport with multiple disciplines maybe has a bit of a trouble making their mind up. But, I mean, what other sports were you playing as, as a kid outside of the, the cycling, the, the running, and the, the swimming aspect? No, it's funny. Those the sports, that's an advantage I brought to triathlon that, uh, that served me because I played hockey, soccer, basketball uh, growing up. Those were actually my primary sports. I was a good runner, but... Thank goodness when the running coach came and told my dad I should just be running, my dad said, nope, he's going to do sport because he loves sport. He's going to play whatever sport he likes. And and it meant that I think I had an athleticism um, that doesn't necessarily, when you come from these single sports or in the safe endurance sports and you've got this like very linear move you know you're not you don't know how to move laterally but also you don't know how to strategize in that way i, I think i brought an element of athleticism and difference in, uh, the way i saw the tactics of events the, uh, the races unfolding that uh i wouldn't have had otherwise uh, if i hadn't come from multiple sport disciplines so that uh, that served me well all those different sports the 35 seconds coach ken smith put me in for the last game of the season when we we're up by 35 in basketball <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's how much he trusted you there right <laughs> yeah literally but i know you're not gonna blow team, it so there's that yeah especially. you're in simon so, you're in you, you know, can do this <laughs> what was that yeah, scene those are those moments that define you <laughs> well i mean i was gonna say like is that one of those ones that you got quoted at one point going like i could have been in the nba because of those final 35 <laughs> seconds and that's let's live with you for the rest of your life you missed out in a raptors jersey at one point or something like that but um it's yeah there are those moments that define you though like you know i remember i remember that i remember the feeling of not making the team all that good stuff all the cliche stuff that that serves you you see it when you see athletes grow up but that had just success early on the kind of if you think of like the, the um, prodigy athletes they don't learn how to to deal with difficulty how uh, to fail and so and the people around them don't know how to fail so when they start to inevitably you know competition and catches up with them um they don't have the tools to deal with the consequences of that and nor nor do the people around them have the consequences the tools to deal with it it becomes a bit of a point and fingers and blame game um i grew up you know, I was 16th at junior nationals when I was 16 years old. So I knew, and I didn't make the Ontario team, let alone the Canadian team. Um, but it sure either, it either sets you on a course of not, you know, I don't believe myself and I can't do this. Or you kind of get it by whatever you want to call it, like a bee in your bonnet that you're like, I can, I'm going to figure this out. And you have a whole bunch of skills that come from that in terms of your expectation, how you manage yourself, how you deal with disappointment, et cetera, et cetera. Always need those sort of moments of despair to, I guess, like, you know, work your way through it (laughs) and sort of keep going with that. What was the scene like 
with triathlon sort of in those that late 80s early 90s because obviously it wasn't included in the olympics until 2000 i believe announced just what a year after sydney got the games in in 94 but i mean what was that that scene and what was it just the world championships back then was kind of the pinnacle while they try and built towards an, an olympic appearance yeah there was a canadian uh les mcdonald that pushed through through sheer will willpower including legendary stories of like climbing in back windows of scottish castles to meet ioc members kind wow. of like at the ioc decision party there's this story of les mcdonald climbing in the climbing in a back window and then and wandering around the this gathering telling people about the sport of triathlon um so when i first got into it it was you're right it was all centered around the hawaiian iron man um it was uh the idea was maybe at one point in the future it could be in the olympics um but i just loved it i was fully and utterly consumed by it from basically from day one and uh you know get obsessed stay obsessed is the key to anything and that you want to be kind of immersed in mastery of and so i was completely and utterly obsessed with it i knew all i i think i can hold my own with anybody on the trivia the history of our sport and uh so back then i was studying every aspect of it uh fully just loving and then in 94 i'm in sydney going to boarding school and uh, we go down to Circular Key and Juan Antonio Samaranch announces on the big screen the Olympics will be in Sydney. The winner is City, everyone, as he famously Aussies. said. The winner yeah. is City. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, you can imagine the ruckus. I was yeah. live for that in Circular Key. And Fantastic. I walked over to the, uh, to the Opera House while everyone else was celebrating and the Opera House was empty. I walked over and I felt like a kid with the secret, like the, I had the first copy of the map, you know, like I was like, Oh wow. sweet. Like this, so it begins. And so you, whatever you want to, however you feel like the universe works, that, that right there was the moment of like, wow, wait a minute. Like the, the kid who got the first, who got the map first, you know, that was me. So Th that's incredible. Just to think that because you were literally there when they announced it and you are at the spot where you will win the gold medal. <laughs> In seven years' time. I don't yeah. think we've ever had an athlete tell that story, that they were literally yeah. at a point where they're going to be winning their Olympic medal when the games are on. That's insane. Yeah, it's. Uh, I felt like if the visualization, if the, at the end of the day this is about who thinks about it one more time than everybody else, I kind of think that that's how this all works, is that you, you know, you've been through every scenario Every every possible scenario that can unfold one more time than anybody else, and that's the training process. And you've intuitive, you've brought internalized every, like every every different outcome, every iteration that could unfold. Um, you know, I started before everybody else did. I literally, I literally walked. Everyone's cheering, and I just, I like by myself. I'm. 17 years old or whatever i am at the time and i walk um i'm, eight, I'm 18 years old and i just walked across like 50 meters and i'm standing there and nobody's there because it's you know the poetry of all this it's like there's not they're all over there yeah celebrating and so i'm standing there with like some security guard who's picking his teeth and me like standing there going like so i guess it would start right about like there and the transition is going to be here and hmm, like Wow. advantage me <laughs> wow. so yeah there you go that's it how is uh 
the build up towards something like that. Like uh, uh, what I always find interesting uh, with athletes is uh, the opportunity to participate in like multi-sport games prior to this. And you know, really your first big podium in a multi-sport game, my hometown of Winnipeg here uh, for the Pan Am games. Uh, did, did you, uh, well, I, I guess the second question to that, Ben and I were just wondering where in Winnipeg are they going to have the swimming, which I figure it was Gimli or something like that, like an hour Milton north of the city. Snow. Uh, Birds, <laughs> Birds Hill Park. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I, yeah, I, I yeah. was there just last year and I was swimming and then I decided to go for a run. So I was two thirds of the way to you. Ah, uh, see, but <laughs> but did, do you, did you look at something like the Pan Am games? Like I, I want to make sure that I'm not just winning on world cup, but I want to be able to participate in multi-sport games. And what type of boost does that give to you? Does, does it give you an extra bit of confidence? Is there something that comes along with doing an event like that to prepare you for the Olympics? Yeah, it's uh, you know where you the essence of it is is when you walk into the cafeteria, <laughs> you, you literally this moment when you're at an event like that and you walk in, into a cafeteria and you see athletes from all these different sports, and you're and you're because you're used to walking into the lunchroom at the hotel with your contingent, your cohort, your sport, but now you're walking in and there's the the. The whatever, like there's the, in that case, there's the American runner, there's the Brazilian, there's the et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, you're in this, you're in the cafeteria and you're going like, huh. And you either are totally and utterly overwhelmed by that experience. Um, and, or you're, you're, you take it all in and adjust. And then you're kind of like, you're more comfortable in that. So then fast forward, whatever that is a year and a half later, you, you arrive at the Olympic games and you kind of, you've, you've, being in the cafeteria before you've mm. kind of experienced the things that are different than just when people try and say, Oh, it's just like any other world cup. Like, no, it's not like the day before Olympics, I'm jogging on the track with the Kenyans. You know, I'm literally doing my warm ups the day before or Sydney, I'm jogging around the track going like, Holy smokes. Like there's Hisham El Garouche and there's like, you know, whoever, like these, these iconic athletes or watching Kobe Bryant walk into the cafeteria, you know, that mm -hmm. does not happen at your world cup. So those moments to have that in Winnipeg. And I remember that I say the cafeteria quite, cause I remember walking in and going and that being the like, huh, look at that. Like, look at all these athletes, look at that basketball player, look at the gymnast, look at the so-and-so. And so that really made a big impact. Just so that uh, Ben and I could be an equal ground here while he's recreating your Sydney Opera House steps. Can you tell me what cafeteria that was so I can go there tomorrow <laughs> and have breakfast? <laughs> I think it's at the university. It would oh, okay. I, I, I seem to recall. It's up at the university. Basically walking distance um, from me. That's awesome. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, see, there you go. Exactly. What did and you that's eat? A funny moment. I enjoy calling <laughs> Bangers and mash. What were they all doing? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, something like that. That that works a treat. Which yeah. it's when you get to the Olympics and we always like to hear sort of our athletes sort of experiences outside of their competing and, you know, village life, all that kind of stuff, which you're alluded to there. But obviously triathlon, new sport alongside Taekwondo in Sydney, given it's literally your first Olympics, but your sports first Olympics, is there an added sense of new kid on the block mentality because you know you're not coming into this from other past olympians in your sport you're all new to this olympic experience in 2000 that's an interesting question um i don't know i don't think so 
I think it's the story I tell myself because I'm quite careful about it. all these memories are subject to the kaleidoscope of memory, right? Like we've slowly adjusted these memories over time. So I'm quite cognizant of that, but I don't remember being um, overwhelmed by that or thinking of that anything to do with legacy. I, I, if I recall correctly, I was just really loved and enjoyed the whole process and the whole i was really because i saw the world champion um the five-time world champion simon lessing went into that race as the overwhelming favorite and he looked miserable he was not enjoying the process the the pressure was on and he did not enjoy the 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 process and i was the quintus i was the opposite of that i was just soaking it all in and you know just a wide-eyed kid wandering around taking it all in and really all the little magical moments the only thing that was a little bit just not disconcerting, but afterwards I thought, huh, how do you recreate that? You know, mm. how do I, how do I recreate being the first to this, the, the race course? And how do I recreate, you know, like the Aussie, this Aussie connection that I have my 96 year old grandmother uh, sitting, you know, sitting in Kirribilli there watching her grandson wow. compete. How do I recreate all that kind of that magic? Um, so yeah, there Did- you go. Did it feel like a home Olympics for you, given your growing up in Sydney? I mean, you're literally over the the harbour there, basically, where you you grew up from where you ultimately would win that gold medal. Yeah, that was it. I mean, it was a familiarity. Crowey and Benno and I would cross the Harbour Bridge every Sunday. And, you know, from 92 till basically through to Sydney, I was there. I probably was there 20 times and back and forth. We trained up in Noosa. We raced all over Australia. We raced on the Olympic course before that. Um, I can still, every little, every section of it, I can recreate the entire course from, from memory. I mean, it was just, it's that familiar. I could now, I could 20 some odd years later, I can do this with most courses I've ever raced. But just what distinctly for Sydney, I could go. I could give you every nuance of that course. Well, that's the next question, actually. So we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, just <laughs> when you when you were traveling turn around, three, turn three. When you were, it's, it's like it's like cool runnings Literally. when they're sitting in the bath and they're like left, right, turn, <laughs> press. But when you were when you were traveling around Australia and, and sort of going to the different courses, um, big uh, Australian triathlete at the time who we were all in, particularly me as a Tasmanian, Craig Walton. Did you, did you get down to Tassie and do oh, any tri- triathlons yeah. down in Tassie? Oh, he's a beauty. You're talking about one of the, just the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your life. Waldo. I have, uh, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's as Tassie as they come. And <laughs> careful, uh, careful how you put just... that. Careful how you put that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Good human. That, uh, Waldo gets a uh, you know tip of the hat, good human. Um, I uh, I certainly I hope in the you know in the many years to come, I hope I get to bump in and have a pint with Waldo again. Because we'll organize it. We'll do the reunion. Yeah. We'll do the off the podium <laughs> no, reunion. That'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, get get uh, we'll get Courtney there. We'll get 
we'll get Waldo. I talked to Crowey yesterday. You got a you got a contingent of legendary Australians at uh, McKeeley and well, I was going to say McKeeley. So I, I vividly it. remember day one, uh, the first event. Of course, triathlon was like right at the beginning back then in Sydney. And I yeah, thirteen year old Ben up at the crack of dawn to watch it, and I'm like <laughs> Switzerland winning a gold in triathlon, beating Australia. What is this? Uh, <laughs> but hey, I was I was happy as a as a, a fan of Canada from a very young age. I'm like well. Canada got the gold the next Amazing. day, so I was happy. With that. <laughs> there you go. You know, I was up at Bond University in uh, sometime around there, and there was this woman swimming at the pool, and uh, she came out of the pool, which I intuited, and so oh, what's your name? Oh, I, I'm uh, Emma. Oh, okay, nice to meet you, Emma Snowsill. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. She goes on eight years later to yeah, win a gold medal, exactly. and we saw her at the pool is just this like age grouper that was just trying to learn how to swim. So there's another moment in time to Olympic gold medalists just having this little, you know, future and they're just meeting in time. Wow. Amazing. I like the idea of someone coming by and going like one day she'll win. Oh, okay. (laughs) Quick photo. This will be history making. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I hadn't, you know, this is pre 2000. So this is April of, it was probably April of 2000. Um, so yeah, little did we know the two of us are standing there saying hello, and you know, many years later we got we got similar hardware. So, Insane. Yeah, there you go. I'm kind of interested by just uh, what you're able to kind of relive everything in your head. I mean, I'm sure that there's nothing you've relived more in your head more than you know the the Sydney gold medal win. But I mean, in particular, I think probably what you've been asked more than anything is about that crash. So I we both kind of watched the video in the last couple of weeks leading up to it, and we're we're still trying to pinpoint okay where specifically were you so were you directly involved in the crash uh, how quick is the recovery and i guess along with that how common is this in triathlon whether it's the the cycling leg or even swimming is is the type of contact that can set you back <laughs> the unfortunate thing i was going to say to you is which crash because i um <laughs> i had a couple <laughs> i crashed in london i crashed there I had a couple crashes i suppose um how did you win medals, when you come... no offense but it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna ask What's the question on, lucky come on <laughs> um you go around uh you know you go around macquarie chair come back by andrew boyle charleston pool on the left there you go up that little kicker that there's a little rise that goes up to uh past the museum on the left there or the lies at the library or the museum there on the left yeah yeah yeah. Uh, just yep. before you, cr- you cross over that bridge and everything narrowed down and so there was a crash there involving i think it was ryan bolton from the u.s and i just got squeezed out but i did one of those things you know it's funny again because i grew up doing other sports i had that athleticism to to slow that moment down and be like navigate so i didn't actually crash crash i never actually touched I, i touched my feet down but i never actually fell down and so this group kind of splinters around me and I kind of do the slide, slide, like some kind of BMX skill. I don't know. And, and I'm up and going again. And so, yeah, there you go. All those moments playing all those other sports that give you the athleticism to just keep your wits about you in a moment like that uh, paid off in that I also, crack, not the other ones. <laughs> yeah. well, I also always wonder every time I watch the triathlon, the only thing that runs through my head is like the body shock of changing from one thing to another because i mean i know if i go on a long bike ride i mean as soon as i get off that bike and i try to walk up my steps like my legs are jello they may recover you know 10 seconds later but then it's the same thing like swimming like 
how how is it, do you just train to a point where you just don't feel it anymore or is there always a little bit of that body shock when you're going from swimming to cycling and then into running yeah the, yeah there's still is that body shock for i think as you get more experienced and you've done more training etc cetera, etc cetera, you eventually you mitigate most of that but i don't think you ever fully mitigate that's just a, a wonderful unique part of the sport is having to transition not only the the physical side of that, but the mental side of, you know, the tactics and swimming being different from the tactics and cycling versus running. So, um, but yeah, no, that body shock never goes away. You can train it, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, that does that eventually, uh, you, yeah, you just mitigate it, but it's all just, that's part of the fun of it. Part of the ridiculous nature of it. So I always love that, go. that mental, yeah. that mentality and, and that in any sport, be it in an event or outside an event, but particularly when you've got a moment like that where you crash and then you've got to literally get back on the bike and push forward. Can you remember what was going through your mind at that point? Or is it just, you're such in the moment. You're just like, all right, well, bit of a, bit of a, a bad thing, but Hey, let's keep pushing forward. We're not out of it. Let's keep going forward. That's interesting. Um, I'm certain that so many of these memories are recreations from stories, stories that got told as in, I don't think that we actually remember those moments in the way in which they happened from a memory of experiencing them. Rather, we remember them from telling the story later, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the science supports that, you know, the flow state is, is a state of intuitive, an intuitive state where you're not, you're no longer thinking about thinking and you're not actually mem- you're not committing to memory anything because you're in the moment performing. Um, so all of these moments I think are just recreations of assumptions of thoughts of what might've happened. And I, you know, you just frame them in a way that people are like, Oh, you remember and go, I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly kind of sort of. So, I guess it just depends yeah. on how, how hard you get hit in the head as well sometimes in those moments, right? <laughs> you know, you're touching on something that's part of, that's evolved and the, the concussion protocol stuff now yeah. wasn't available in my day. I had a couple crashes that I start to wonder later. I'm like, oh, it certainly must have hit my head in that circumstance. So It is fascinating how quickly what, that's what, come, right? Because you think like the year 2000, like that was only five years ago, right? That wasn't 23 years ago. But like <laughs> you, you do have that mindset of, Back then, it was advanced, but now, 23 years later, you can kind of look back and then go, well, shit, no, it wasn't at all, was it? No, it was Bush League. We were, and, and we'll look back, I suppose, now, 23 yeah. years from now, and go, this is Bush League too. Um, there are, there, you know, the, it is narrowing. The areas in which you can find greater improvement is narrowing, but the Norwegians have come to our sport and shown there was a whole way of doing things and you know ethos that was not being applied and they have applied it so can i just it's interesting you bring that up because we we talked a lot during tokyo about norway now this is no disrespect to our good friends in norway but they're winter athletes. What's going on with them dominating summer all of a sudden, Simon? I'm, I'm a bit scared about it's, Norway. It's they're, taking, they're taking over a little too quickly, and I don't know how this came about. I mean, good for them, but I didn't know Norwegians could compete in triathlon, in athletics. Like, I'm like, whoa, okay, this is – do we need to worry that they're the new USA and they're just going to keep winning everything in 10 years? <laughs> I mean, I think when you grow up um, outside – 
you know, um, refining and, and, and perfecting your aerobic engine, it just doesn't matter that you were, you happen to be cross country skiing, but it turns out it, it, it converts to running. Um, and then there's an attitude. If you spend a bit of time with, with Gustav and Christian and, and Olaf, you quickly understand, you quickly understand that there's like, there's a, just a shift that you're like, Oh, that's, that's a Scandinavian thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as someone has Swedish heritage myself, I'm kind of proud of that Scandinavian side. So, uh, um, yeah, they're, they're a different breeds. Great. It's great to watch. And then they're doing it through intellect. You know, it's not just, it's not brute force. It's, it's not a function of, there's a there's an intellect that's in, that's they're engaged that they, they have engaged there in terms of understanding the true science behind performance that's really fun to see be part of um observe whatever it is the um the, a couple of years ago when the tokyo games were canceled cbc they decided to re-air like the greatest canadian moments of all time and i i, I think it might have even been the first week you were on it it was that win in sydney so that got played all over again. And that was my first time watching it since probably 2000. And uh, it's still now, what, a couple of years later, it's still it, it, going over in my mind, just as you're coming around the bend and as you're you're coming up on the, the, the German who ended up in the silver position, just passing him and then looking back. And then I remember him, him kind of looking back as well. I just rewatched it, uh, you know, maybe about an hour ago and you're seeing him looking back and, uh, I've always wondered, like, okay, is that the moment like you knew, okay, I've got this? Because there's always going to be somebody who's chasing. I mean, we saw Evan Dunphy do it during uh, the last Olympics in the race walk. And, you know, it, you, you've got to always be worried, okay, he, I just passed him, but he could be coming up any second now. Did you have a moment where you're like, I can relax now. I've got enough of a lead. It's 10 seconds left. I've got this. I mean, again, it's the stories we tell ourselves about what we think happened. Um, <laughs> but I think... What happened there was there was a moment of real, yeah, real understanding before I crossed the finish line that this was about to happen. Because, you know, he seemed to just, he just, his body language went from as soon as I passed it, he kind of went, you know, that you recognize that, that, oh, he's done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's the, the stories we tell ourselves about what we think happened. I, I think that's what happened. <laughs> if that makes sense. I, I like this. This is the way I think people, all people, should answer the questions moving <laughs> forward. I think it kind of works that way. Can you ever be prepared for what comes after winning an Olympic medal, uh, particularly a gold? Because obviously your life changed. I mean, and the first, yeah, exactly. Everything that comes from that moment, because you go into that race. Simon Whitfield about to be an Olympian, but then all of a sudden you're an Olympic gold medalist. Everybody wants to talk to you. I'm sure you've got a thousand and one interviews you've got to do and everything along those lines. I mean, can you be prepared for the attention that comes with that gold medal win? No, no, it's uh, that's a whole other thing. And, and, and it's not better or worse. It's just different, but it's um, yeah, I, I've definitely, there's all these aspects of it that you think you want you know, you think, oh, this is going to be great. And I, you're sitting there are aspects of it. You know, all of a sudden you're, uh, there I am having dinner with Sir Edmund Hillary two, a year later. And I had wow. dinner with the queen, I lunch with the queen of England. And like, I, I had these incredible experiences that came with it. So you wouldn't quote unquote trade it for the world. And yet there are parts of it that you become a bit of a meme. You don't become a bit of a meme. You become a meme. You know, people, and you can never live up to this expectation. You're when you pedestal, 
you know, I, I, the, the way I think it was like on the other side of adulation is isolation. There's the, the people you used to hang out with, they're still doing the things that you used to do. And you can't attend those things because you're no longer, um, you're, you, you're busy. <laughs> You've got other things you're trying to do, other places that you, you're welcome to be. And um, it becomes, yeah, it's very disorientating. And there's no, there's no manual for it. There's no, um, there's not really precedent for it. Um, and I think you also become, you, you, if things become very transactional, so you, you, instead of having relations with people as in relationships, you have transactions with people because everybody wants something from you. And then everything is an opportunity to be, um, you know, taken, taken advantage of. Um, and so you start to, that pattern starts to unfold, but then it, it kind of narrows. It starts in the far peripheral of your existence and then it narrows and narrows until it's like right at your, your primary relationships. You're starting to treat them as very transactional because you've learned this behavior pattern of everything is a transaction. Um, and you're no longer honoring relationships as, you know, a, um, a mutual mutual game it's it becomes things become a very zero-sum game you know i can do this for x i can trade x for y and therefore that's worth it and you know if that makes sense i think that that's yeah i think you also because you you get a very strong story of self because you're getting constantly asked about your story of self so you in the curse of self you know like that so if you come to my house now you can't see anything there's nothing that indicates that I used to be do this stuff because I don't want to live in as much as I like, this is great. And I, I, I get to explore it with you in this instance, the moment I put this phone down, I want to go back to my day to day today and not living as like this, like caricature of a person. I of a thing that I did before. That's a story of self of who I am and how I interact with the world. My daughters need their dad to just, you know, take care of his shit today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like living in the moments of the past so is that something yeah. that you have or would like to maybe help athletes olympians with to kind of deal with that you know somebody like a summer mcintosh you know who might she was thrust in the spotlight obviously in tokyo and obviously doing great things before paris but like certain athletes where maybe they're not prepared for that and you can help with exactly what you're saying that these things that do come with that thrust of attention um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but in a less, less formal, a less formal way, um, then it, it doesn't work to be prescribed. If that makes sense, it doesn't, it has to be come about in a way that was, that's not as formal as, uh, a, a oh, you should talk to so-and-so. Mm. just doesn't work that way we all as part of the attributes of athletes and people that want to that are immersed in something that they're so engaged in you know that they like they mastery they're they do it their own way <laughs> and to try and prescribe or step in and say oh well you're gonna need to do this and that that's just not in their wheelhouse it's not how they operate so it has to come about in a much more or, you know, I, I'm trying to avoid using the word organic, but it has to come about in a more organic way than, than being prescribed like that. So, yeah, I've had moments where I've done that in 
and it, it, it's I find as much benefit for me as I do for anybody else for the other person, which is again just part of the journey. I think I think all that made sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the amount of success that uh, I think even most gold medalists experience is, you know, that that first couple of days and then, you know, maybe you'll get some recognition in your own country. But I mean, it, it obviously was very different for you. I remember when we first started the show, like around the Rio Olympics and, you know, our other co-host, Jared, he's Australian as well. And we're sort of going back and forth like, oh, what are some of like the greatest Australian moments? I'm going through like great Canadian moments and I'm thinking like, OK, what are some of the things that the Australian guys are going to know? I'm like, oh, Sydney Crosby, you know, David Pelche, Jamie Soleil. And it was either Ben or Jared who are like, Oh, Simon mm. Whitfield. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Ben. I'm like, yo, you guys know Simon Whitfield. Like, and that, that's sort of like, you know, me realizing, wow, like this, what you accomplished in Sydney, maybe it was cause it was the first time ever. Maybe it was like an Australian connection. I mean, I also have it, a it weird obsession so with Olympics as well, where I and like, <laughs> I lived and breathed Sydney for 16 days yeah. straight. So, you know, <laughs> but, but I mean, did, did, did the amount of success and recognition you received, you know, not just as a national thing, but even on an international level, did that, uh, I guess, put any type of pressure expectations on you for future games like how did that change how you approach the sport and maybe expectations that you had going to athens or london um yeah for sure i mean that was the, just such a different experience because you go from just a wide-eyed kid who just loved competing and had no quote-unquote pressure to you now competing with expectation but you wouldn't trade that for the world i mean that's the fun stuff you know mm-hmm. to have the opportunity to take the last shot <laughs> to like to be to, to to hit the buzzer beater that's the good stuff um so i am very grateful for the four different experiences i had were all so unique they all had various attributes and various challenges that the various challenges that require various attributes to overcome or navigate through and yeah super grateful for all of that it, i would I, it wouldn't have been fun if it, well, it would be fun. It's not, who cares if it's fun? It wouldn't have been as satisfying and as, I wouldn't have learned much, as much if they were all the same experience. Mm-hmm. And they were not in any way. All the expectations of Athens and not, and not living up to those expectations. And I don't mean results wise. I mean, in terms of fostering relationships and building a cohesive team, we just didn't, we were, we cracked under the pressure and we, we splintered as a group the coaching staff, myself, there was a lot of infighting. There was a lot of, we just, we didn't rise to that occasion. Um, and I would trade that experience to the world. You know, it was, we failed. <laughs> and I really don't mean because we came 11th. I mean, we failed because at the end of it, we didn't shake hands. You know, we like walked in opposite directions, but I wouldn't trade that for the world because we all have everything that came from all the learnings that came from that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I was going to say mm-hmm. with that, because through that, the whole strategy changes right towards Beijing. And then we get this famous situation with Colin that basically, you know, he, he helps you to the, to the silver medal. I love what I read it described as the greatest ever 50th place finish in Olympic history, <laughs> essentially uh, kind of that, that strategy that, that comes from that to, to get that silver medal, which like, I love reading about this in a sport where say somebody who doesn't follow it religiously it might not be obvious that there is teamwork and strategy involved in a sport like triathlon. So I love kind of reading how that can take place and everything like that. Do you give him the silver medal afterwards? Are you like, here you go. Colin, <laughs> this is for you. I've got a gold. I don't need Split a silver. 
um yeah we, that whole thing was amazing just the whole the camaraderie of it the courage it took to do it, it how unpopular it was in certain circles um circles you know it wasn't it wasn't a popular thing to do um yeah it was all just part of the experience we really we felt like we pioneered something it um we it took a lot of, we took a lot of criticism for it the federation backed it though um it uh yeah i look back fondly on all that and the camaraderie i have with colin and not just colin but with all of the people that were involved in that it was a, that was a big team of people whether it be dan o'wells you know or jordan rapp or they, those are people that didn't get to go to the olympics but were there they were there when it was pouring rain and they were there when it was when it was not fun and they they showed up every day and that was that was so much that was so much part of that that was all of that to be honest you know joel coach joel just did an incredible job um it was all just the the story of that event is is the unknowns all the things that happened behind the scenes that were just that were so great there was just that was such a great experience because it was such a team thing I found it so interesting, like, uh, as a viewer of the Olympics, you know, you watch an individual event, you think of it as an individual event, and then often you see how many people are involved in it. Like, you, you take, like, swimming, you know, the 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 relays. Uh, they'll have this person who will go in the, the, the heats, and then that person is not even in the finals, and maybe the person in the finals didn't even get there. Uh, and kind of what you're talking about in Athens, like, there just wasn't that that team dynamic. You guys took it a step further four years later and then flash forward, you know, another decade or so later. And now triathlon is literally a mixed event in the Olympics. I mean, did you still follow the sport? I mean, did you watch that? What are your feelings on uh, the, the the mixed event travel? And well, if if you were to compete in it still, I mean, if you were in mixed event, what would be your preference? Oh, I love the mixed The mixed team really is awesome. Um, that would be my distance too. the, the shorter, faster stuff would have suited me quite well. Um, the yeah i love where the sport's gone i follow it uh to as best i can i work for a company called the feed so we're intimately involved in all things endurance sport and pickleball now (laughs) but uh (laughs) and uh so i get to follow a sport i love and be you know a couple degrees separated from athletes who are making high performance decisions which is which is fun um, and then, yeah, to see the evolution of the sport, all the different, we have super league. Now we have the professional tour. Now we have the Ironman races at a whole other level. We have YouTube stars, you know, like we, it's all of the good stuff and all the ridiculous stuff. And at the end of the day, that's, I think that's one of the things I just kept in perspective is this, it's so important. My favorite, one of my favorite words is ridiculous. And because it, there's something benevolent in that word to me, there's something, there's some sort of connotation of of humor in the word ridiculous and at the end of the day these arbitrary sports we make up to entertain ourselves and not fight (laughs) because at the end of the day that's what the olympics is right it's like it's a reason not to go fight each other it's like i don't know let's uh let's pick up stuff and we'll see who's stronger let's move stuff around let's try and put a ball through a, a hoop best so explanation of the olympics yeah. i've ever heard that that's brilliant it's true I, I love that part of it and we, when people lose sight of that i'm like it's so arbitrary you know it's like it's just this arbitrary thing we made up um and so by keeping that attitude to it and really recognizing the the reason that we do it i think that you just gain 
there's so much to be gained from that perspective. It's a little bit of a tribute to the ridiculous nature of it. I, I like uh, you mentioning you still have some type of involvement in the sport. You know, I always find it interesting when somebody retires, I, I almost expect, okay, well, they're going to, you know, still stick with in some capacity. I, I always think back to um, the, the NHL heritage classic they had where the Oilers took on the jets and you had like Wayne Gretzky on the ice for the first time. And Wayne Gretzky, like two minutes in is off the ice. People are laughing at me. He's like, Hey, I don't play this anymore. Meanwhile, Mark Messier is out there as if he hadn't even been retired for a day. You know, uh, is, is this a sport that you still, I mean, you still run and bike for fun. Do you do just local events or are you just kind of watch from the sidelines coach anything? Yeah, nothing. Nope, nothing. I tried to run uh, 400 meters with my daughter the other day, and we ran slower than I used to run 10K, and I was exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> so we can challenge you to a race, and we might have a chance. Hey, there we go. You got me. You got me. So you got me tagged. Or you're, I'm done for. Good. Um, Bring I, it on, Simon. Come back to Sydney. I know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah, I I ride. I went mountain biking today, so I love mountain biking. I love stand up paddling. I love anything. I just like being outdoors. I like, and I get old man, I have old man strength now, so I can like, I can do, that's the whole reason you do stuff when you're young is so when you're older, you've got old man strength and I play <laughs> soccer and I, um, that's, and now, and I swim a bit, but I don't No, I, I haven't competed. I don't, I have a fun relationship with running. I can't, I can go up for a, a slow trot. I would probably go for a trail run if I had the, if I wasn't doing other things, but I definitely have a bit of a relationship with the idea that I used to run a sub 30 minutes for 10 K and now I can't run sub 45 minutes. You know, I like, I definitely, it doesn't feel great. I don't like that. I used to love the feeling of running and now I kind of, I kind of go like, I think I should probably stick to other things. <laughs> Pickleball. Pickleball. Pickleball and that's soccer and all that stuff. So, we're just yeah. on that. No, I just I, mean, I love sport. So that that's what that's, that's, that's what you're fitting well on this show. That's that's kind of when it comes down to a couple of quick ones that, before we get to our sort of wrap up questions. Just on the soccer, we're talking a little bit out off air. You, you're playing the VISL, I believe, for Bays United, great uh, great league there on on Vancouver Island. Talk about your little uh, your, your win that you just recently had, Simon. Come on, we, we, we want to learn the, this uh, great moment oh, you had. Duty. I'm going to tell you my favorite soccer moment. A favorite soccer moment is walking onto the field for base over 35 in the Masters B of the Vancouver Island Soccer League. And David Hill, a Sheffield Wednesday play um, fan, uh, says to me in his, his wonderful British accent, how's it going? And I said, uh, I said oh, it's, it's, it's not so great. I, uh, and he goes, oh, let me just stop you there. I really didn't care. I just want you to stop the little round ball from going in the rectangular thing. And then I want you to take the little round ball and try and get it in the other rectangular thing. You have full permission to to just do that today. And I love I loved that moment because it was like a tribute to the fact that we're all there just to, you know, life is like transpiring and we're, you know, whatever, all of the shit that goes on with trying to adult. And and yet David Hill reminded me that like this is really just a bunch of kids <laughs> trying to push a little round ball around and stop it from getting into other objects. So um, that's my that's why I play soccer. I love the theater of sport. I don't really care if we win or lose. I like games that just have some theater to it. I like the 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 moments when 
we almost upset the the A division team, you know. But but I and all year I played, I felt like I played quite well. I I scored a couple good, you know. I'm proud of goals, and then I'm thinking I'm a big deal in the last game of the year. I like scored an own goal. My guy scored the guy I was supposed to be covering scored the winning goal, and I was useless. So. You know, I, it's humbling and wonderful. And at the end of the day, again, it's just arbitrary and ridiculous. You're just trying to stop the little I, round ball. I love, I love how you explain. This is just so like it's just perfect. <laughs> this is for now on. Like next year during Paris, Colin, that's how we're explaining it. Like, ah, it's just some boots on a track running fast. Cool. Like, yeah, good on you. Uh, that's been our commentary. <laughs> yeah, look at that, Andre de Grasse. Good whoop de do. Another gold medal. Like, yeah, that's, that's that's you move quickly. Yeah, wow, you you can move faster than the other people. Good job for you. Ah. Uh, just one other quick thing too. I, I know sort of you've you've had a bit to do with Lance Armstrong in the past. Did you ever try and get Lance to get on a bike and also uh, well, he was on a bike get uh, get on the track and swim and go like, hey mate, you you got the easy part, the cycle. Like add the other two legs to it and then see how well you go. I mean, Lance came from a triathlon background. Oh so right, he's, did he? Uh, Oh yeah, no, no. Oh yeah, yeah. He he shows up when he's fifteen years old and. The legends, Mark Allen, Dave Scott, and all them are there. And this kid from Texas shows up and lays a whoop into him and and then goes on to do what he did and all of the other stuff that he did. Um, and along the way, I become hilarious friends with him because we had the same agent way back in the day. And um, he, I, I, had, I didn't meet him. I barely knew him for almost I would be 15 years and then um, I went to Orcas Island and did a swim run event with him you're in a team together and so I got to meet him outside of all of that outside of all the fanfare and all of the other shit you know all yeah. of the stuff that came with it and uh, I'm gonna I'll gonna tell you a quick story it's long-winded but I um Bob Go Roll I was one of the well best here. speakers you'll <laughs> perfect Bob Roll, remember, you know him, the Tour de France. He's the commentator for ESPN, I think. Yep. I was at an event in Collingwood, and it was right when Lance got busted and admitted and all that stuff. And and, and he, so he should, you know, all of the punishment that comes with that, you know, all of the shit that goes with that. Um, and Bob Roll got asked, how can you be friends with him? How can you endorse him? And Bob said, I don't know about you, but I just, my friends, I've got their back. And then I ask what the problem is, you know, like, as in like, if my friends are in a fight, I run in and start throwing punches. And then I ask what we're fighting about. <laughs> so Bob kind of said that. And I, and he told this incredible story about Lance is 15 years old, showing up in New Mexico, pouring rain, doesn't have a place to stay, sleeps on the deck of Bob Roll's house and then goes out on the race course. He's this young guy and all the legendary mountain bikers are there. All the tour difference riders are there and Lance takes off with them and then gets, and then Bob comes up on him two hours into the event and there's Lance with a little flat tire and he thinks, Oh, I finally caught that 15 year old kid. And Lance says, can I use your spare tire? And Bob says, no, I need it. And Lance rips it off his bike and says, it's mine now. <laughs> and then in Bob Roll goes, and that's Lance Armstrong. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. Like he grew up with, you know, single, it was single. His mom was, he was this only child. It was a, his mom was a single mom of a, of a, of a Texas kid who had talented sport and he behaved a lot like a Texas. What an incredible story. Mom who did whatever it took. Wow. Yeah. And I really like, it was like one of those moments where you're like, wow, we don't know where each other come from. And sure, of course, 
don't cheat in sport. Of course, all that stuff, all the don't act as an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Also, I came from Kingston, Ontario. I grew up in the same town as how tragedy hit. I got sent off to boarding school when I was 16 years old. I do not need to sit around and judge Lance Armstrong. Mm. I'm glad he got caught. I don't want cheating in sport, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. I also do not need to sit there and say, oh, I, I, I wouldn't have done that. I need to not walk a day in his shoes. So let yeah. let him let him walk in his own shoes and let him suffer his own consequences. So there you go. There's my Lance Armstrong story. Great, great way of putting that. I love that. That's uh, that's perfect. I was going to ask another question about something different, but I I don't think I can top that. So I'm just going to get Colin to start the uh, <laughs> the wrap up questions because uh, I, yeah. I mean I don't, I don't want to take away from that moment right there. You know, yeah, sweet. There you go. Yeah. Well, our, our final set of questions here. Now you would have just missed out on this because this is something that uh, they did on the Olympic.ca website for Rio and Pyeongchang. Uh, and basically it's like a set of questions, some of them sports related, some of them not related. Some of them include drawing pictures, which <laughs> if you choose to, you're free to send them in. We've had a couple athletes send us pictures afterwards. Never a summer Actually, athlete, Simon, only never winter summer, Only winter. So you got to prove the summer's this. better than the winter here. <laughs> but yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> we're going to go through these and basically just give us quick fire answer. Um, we'll start it off okay. with what is the best candy in the world? Best candy in the world. Oh, the sour, sour gummies. Ooh. Oh, okay. I and, totally, and then you later, sour. your tongue is all up in your leg. We yeah. regret it so much, but in the meantime, it's so good. Try yeah, drinking anything gummies. acidic after that. And it's horrible. Yeah, the worst. <laughs> yeah. Stomach ache, the whole thing, the yeah. whole thing, but yeah, by far. It's yeah, worth it. I mean, as soon as we, as soon as we're done with this conversation, I'm going to go get some. Good. <laughs> Did you ever have the, uh, when you're in Australia, the, 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 the big sour warheads, like the kind of like the, you know, the little, oh, yeah. like those, like they, yeah. They and were... I probably got made to eat that, that coated in Vegemite. In yeah. School. That was, <laughs> but that's how we eat them, Simon. What are you talking thing. about? That That's how they come. Yeah, you wipe off the spiders and the snakes while you eat it (laughs) on your kangaroo odd lot (laughs) exactly exactly the first drawing by the way if you want to draw a picture of yourself that's uh that's one we're we're doing this uh with swimmer santo condorelli and his version of himself is i don't know where the triangle fits in the pelvis there it's kind of like you know also i think he's either got discolored biceps or he's wearing water wings in his picture i think it's water wings. (laughs) yes that's one way to swim um what is your favorite sandwich my favorite sandwich. Um, it's got to be. I'm. A, I'm a yippie, um, uh, which is a combination of a yuppie and a hippie. <laughs> so I. I got to be avocado. Uh, avocado toast. Oh, you <laughs> definitely. You, you definitely right lived in the northern beaches. That's that's definitely. Yeah, that's you. the northern beaches. Oh, it's thirty-seven dollars. Yeah. Oh, I'll have a flat white also. Yeah, that, that that's cheap now. <laughs> <laughs> I just love you got a name for that too. When I got married, my brother uh, was my best man, and he included in the speech. He called me a guppy, which he says was a cross between a geek and a yuppie. So you're uh, you're yeah, a yuppie, see, and I'm a guppy. Yippie. Yeah, right. yuppie. Yeah. I'm it's just Tasmanian River in Egypt. <laughs> yeah. uh, this yeah, this yeah. one's always fun because I think we've seen the majority of them. But what's your favorite sports movie? My favorite sports movie. Huh. Um, Hoosiers, just because I have you know the memories Ooh. back in when you're a little kid. Gene Hackman and just the oh, it was a Chariots of Fire. Boom, 
Easy. Oh yeah, I love that movie. When he runs the lap with the belt, dun, 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 dun. I was gonna say, can yeah, we get like thing. you know, we'll just we'll dub over your win in Sydney crossing the line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, I don't know Before how many bells. times. Yeah, I don't know how many <laughs> times I'll I'll be out running and I put that on a playlist. That's the perfect did, running song. Did Mr. Bean ruin it? You obviously were, you know, carrying the, <laughs> carrying the flag out, obviously in the Olympic Stadium in London. I don't know if you got to dun, see dun, the Mr. Dun, Bean dun, segment, dun, dun. but did did that ruin it? No, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't ruin it. But I'm sure Richie Benno in the 12th man. Oh, there's a little Aussie. Uh, hey, yeah. you made me happy bringing that up, Simon. <laughs> I tell you now, it's funny because like the so wild world of sports. Well, the, the the one that so Colin basically we had this comedian who um, our cricket commentators were kind of celebrities in themselves, and so he parried parodied all the cricket commentary and he got well known and then made the cricket commentators even more famous. He did, he did do one after Sydney. Did you ever hear the one he did of Bruce McAvaney after Sydney? The only time he ever, oh, yeah. that oh, was like a five minute little, uh, I'll, I'll find it and send it to you, Colin, because he does like the perfect. Bruce How are you going to find one? That's not politically, that's politically correct. Ah, we won't play it on air. Like we're not, we're not going that way. We'll just, we'll just flick it to Colin. Off do, you air remember the one do you remember the one where he's like, like he's making the car noises and then, got, and then he has the huge crash and he says finally some fucking action oh yeah the formula he was doing formula one he's like this race is so fucking boring and now finally there's some action, <laughs> some action. I was, the, the yeah. one he did when he would like be parroting like soccer and he was basically like going yeah. through all the commentary names and they're all very like you know greek or italian yeah. and then he gets one passes it to smith i hope i pronounced that correctly because uh, <laughs> he's like doing no, all these over the show. top. Oh, hello, Colin. <laughs> you, you wouldn't get all the cricket stuff in it, but like, I'll I'll send you the Bruce one. It's it's freaking. Is there a triathlon like, if not a movie, like documentary? Like we're in this golden age of sports, sort of like Netflix shows. Like, is there anything following the the triathlon circuit that you're aware of? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's got to be in the in the legacy in the mythology of our sport the the iron war dave scott versus mm. mark allen mm-hmm. um i think bob babbitt in the competitor magazine or the, did a documentary on that and that would be that's an iconic moment in our sport and, and certainly in part of the mythology of our sport i i don't know how old your kids are simon but uh my kids almost daily watch a movie with the triathlon which is uh the pixar movie luca uh, where, oh. where the kids turn into a sea monster, but the final leg is eating a bowl of pasta because it takes place in Italy. So they do the, <laughs> the mountain biking, the swimming, and then they have to eat a bowl of pasta. So there we go. We got the greatest the reference. The greatest reference to triathlon ever is uh, East. Um, what's the TV show? He says, I do triathlon. And the guy goes, Oh, yeah, me too. I love to be the best at exercise. <laughs> wow just, just, just absolutely nails us so there you go we always like yeah. to try and reference like uh, if, any other rapid fires yeah well, we've got a couple yeah. more here we'll, we'll get to this if you could have lunch with okay, any sweet. well you, i mean you said you had lunch with the queen so i don't know how you can top this one if you had could have lunch with any one person who would it be uh if i can have lunch with oh it's i mean i sorry this is so tacky but it's got to be my folks Mm. My, they live out in Ottawa. I get to see them like twice a year. So if I'm getting lunch with anyone, it's we'll my sister it. and my. That's the dad, smartest yeah, answer anybody's ever given on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a couple here because I got a really good one. As a kid, my favorite sports team was. Oh, you going from straight, straight to that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> see where you going with this, Colin? So I'm for an up answer. In the air. 
I I grew up in the era of Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers, so oh, you know, kind of. Okay. I'm sorry, but see, I can't. I mean, I can't fault you. Calgary fan here, no. so you know. Yeah, good luck. I met, I met Lanny McDonald. That was cool. Oh wow! I've got a Lanny with the mustache. Yeah. Wow, I, I actually have Iconic a coworker who, as a as a move in mm. pre when I moved into my house, he got me this this frame picture, and it's got autographed Lanny McDonald on there, and that that I. Had, I've had it hanging right now, but and we just why haven't you here. given it to oh, me? Like, come on. <laughs> you Maple Leafs fan, that doesn't matter to you. Um, come on, there. Uh, a couple other ones here with the drawing against Simon. You can draw a Canadian animal. There is the coolest Olympic medal. I actually, the, on that, this isn't on the list, but we haven't asked this question. This is the last one we'll ask in terms of, and oh. I'm, I'm very intrigued to hear your answer for this. What do you do with your Olympic medals? <laughs> um. They're, they're in not on display. Shed. We know they're, that. They're not on display. They're in. I have actually. It's. I have. When you're, when I was announced as the flag bearer, I went to Ottawa. You go to the Eternal Flame in front of Parliament. They take the flag off the Peace Tower and they give it to you. And so I have a box in uh, in my room that's got this flag. That's the Peace the Peace Tower flag, Canada flag, and inside the that box is the metal sitting there so that is a cool way of doing it over there yeah. better, better than better. the sock drawer yeah it's like we get sock drawer lost yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that's I, the they were in a sock drawer for a long time but now they're in that box so there you go just before we close out i have an even more important question for you so official last one your favorite tragically hip song <laughs> <laughs> um ahead by a century oh, but also yeah. uh look up a uh, gloria live i took Gloria. my buddy rob down to the railroad track i took him in i took him in i tied him on his back it's it, they do the song <laughs> gloria but then he goes into this impromptu this oh. this whole shtick it's on youtube it's incredible it's at, it's gore downey at his peak gore downey and he he inserts that in the GLRIA uh, song, and it's absolutely wow. incredible. So, that, that sounds yeah, like a Gloria, live version of a song, a early song that had Highway Girl, where he does another one of those like yeah. long stories. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun. yeah, 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 sweet. Yeah, Highway Girl's good too. Colin, you um, didn't do the meatloaf yeah, question though. That's that's no, was, that, was that replacing the meatloaf, meatloaf question? Song? Yeah, what's your favorite <laughs> meatloaf song? Yeah, no. <laughs> No, no, I, I abstained. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Simon, you're one what... since I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's our new number one answer, Ben. <laughs> I, I like that. That's that's fantastic. Good job. Yep. <laughs> Simon, we've uh, we've talked about having you on here for years. We're so thrilled it finally happened. And I can't say there's anything I'm more excited about than uh, maybe by 2030 being able to watch you again compete in pickleball we just hope to talk to you again someday regardless of what the sport is oh look at that uh, already <laughs> yeah, i got my i got my racket we're gonna go play with the kids right now so uh hey thanks for having me on i know we went back and forth to try and get on and i missed my last one and i apologize for that but this was uh i really enjoyed this so thank you for the opportunity to come on and have a good laugh and uh, talk aussie for a little bit there that was fun so uh yeah appreciate the opportunity <laughs> Thanks again to Simon for uh, joining us uh, finally on the show. This really is something I think was almost day one on the podcast. We're talking about 
who we would want to have on. And Simon Whitfield's name came up. And now here we are years later, an award later. And one. we finally got Simon Whitfield. One award. It only took one award to get him on the show. But now we finally got Simon we, Whitfield. We, we are what literally, I think is, can I just say, we are the New York Islanders of podcasting. We just live off the fact that once we won something and then we've never gotten over it. <laughs> Telling you about, we get it, Islanders. You won some Stanley Cups in the 80s. Move on. <laughs> what I find is so interesting is that I, I went through this entire intro for his career and I left off the fact that he's a two-time flag bearer, which very few people can claim. Mm. And we barely even touch on the interview. I and mean, that's how massive this guy's career was. But, uh, but yeah, incredibly fascinating chat. And uh, people out there, look up the Tragically Hip songs that he recommended. Uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised. And I can't wait to see the video of this triathlete commentary comedian thing. It's, well, it's we got a lot of good recommendations from Simon here. The, the, so the, the, to clarify there, so it's not specifically on triathlon. So you've heard us talk a lot about Bruce McAvaney, of course. Ba- basically, mm-hmm. this comedian would parody famous Australian sports commentators and the majority of his career was done on our cricket commentators because, again, they're sort of their own little, uh, you know, entity and fame and all that sort of stuff. So the one that he did for Bruce McAvaney was post-Sydney Olympics. He literally released a CD single called Bruce 2000, and it's just a five-minute compilation of him parroting commentary from the Sydney Olympics. And his stick, Billy Birmingham is his real real name, 12th Man was sort of his, like, stage name, was that he would create, which would not be politically correct now, and I'm not going to say them on air, like, names for athletes from countries that would parody you know, stereotypes from that country or kind of the names that that sound, you know, a lot of OVs for like Eastern European and sort of stuff like that. So, and he kind of like the, the big one at the end is he literally word for word will commentate the, the famous Bruce McAvaney commentary when Kathy Freeman won the gold, which we have now in our introduction here on the show. And it's just the ending of it. it I'll send it to you. It's funny. I wish I could play it, but the, it doesn't hold up 23 years later. This probably is what was we fascinating because, I, I didn't comment during the interview, but when Simon said, oh, how are you going to find something that's politically incorrect? And you said, well, we won't air it. I'm like, what could possibly be so politically incorrect that it's going to top the things Ben has said on the show? <laughs> hey, <laughs> but apparently something exists. I like to suck up to our guests to make sure that they, they, <laughs> they, they, they don't know. I think we, we have mentioned him on uh, the, the show before because we've talked about Matt Shervington, an Australian sprinter who mm. I worked with at the Olympics last year for Channel 7. And... Matt was sort of always, I guess, renowned for his tight-fitting attire that would accentuate a certain part of him that was quite large. So <laughs> there's like a piece in this commentary where like you have the 12th man parroting Bruce McAvaney going, a special moment for a special penis. I mean, special athlete. <laughs> uh, like it's just it's just kind of, yeah, you, you will listen to it. The one thing I wanted to say, like just in that, I mean, best answer ever to a meatloaf question. Like I'm a vegetarian, yeah. I can't answer that. Like that, again, can't be topped. <laughs> I love the fact that literally he can point out that it's just somebody kicking a ball into a a rectangle. (laughs) Amazing. But like that story over being at Circular Quay, which again, for people not in Sydney, so that is where the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge is. It's sort of the the main ferry terminal down there. And if you're a tourist, Colin, you'd go straight to Circular Quay so you can see the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge. But to be there when Juan Antonio Samaritz, His Excellency, announces the Olympics, to walk over to the Opera House, I'm like, yeah, this is where it'll be, this is whatever. And then to win an Olympic gold medal seven years later. Like, that is absolutely insane to hear that story. And, again, I don't think we will ever hear an athlete that no. will be able to tell that. Like, I mean, I 
I, I don't know. I can't think of a. a I'm like, well, we we saw that with Brisbane two years ago. The announcement is just like, yeah, fucking Brisbane, yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, we never, we don't get that public sentiment. I mean, you would remember when Vancouver got announced, like the streets of Vancouver, mm-hmm. everyone. You don't get that anymore. But to kind yeah. of have this uniqueness of it, I, like, I was blown away from that story. I absolutely love that story. Yeah, and you can be there. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I'm I, literally I, the I time can... of recording this. I will be there tonight uh, yeah. at the Circular yeah. Key. So you know. I'm going to go find any cafeteria. I never confirmed with the U of W or the U of M here in Manitoba, but I'm going to go to the cafeteria and then we can send Simon our pictures from his places of uh, memories of years past. I'm just going to take a picture tonight at the random. I'm just going to like give a thumbs up going like, Hey, <laughs> hey Simon, how you doing? Uh, and again, Jimmy's going to be with us. Good friend of ours over on the Oz network and formerly survivor Oz. So again, you said like he can overtake him. Like fuck off. I'm overtaking Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll see. <laughs> um, I guess we're back to Women's World Cup coverage after this. Has it has it actually started? Am I missing anything yet? <laughs> you can tell that we record this like months before. So yes, <laughs> no, Colin, we don't. Last week we were together going over the group stage. Remember, you know, and oh, talking okay. about the epic Canada Australia match in which the Matildas probably choked by now to uh, <laughs> to Canada in Melbourne. But uh, no, obviously, uh, if you're listening to this, it has been released. And uh, we literally taken a week off between the Women's World Cup to come and bring you this interview. And we'll be back next week to talk about the the knockout phase and give you a full preview of the final and then uh, ultimately wrap it all up. But, um, I mean, straight after that, we've got some great interviews coming up. Obviously, we did our Looking Ahead to Paris interview a couple of weeks ago as well, which haha <laughs> hilarious. And... Um, I'm still excited a little bit later this year, though, for the Pan Ams, which we, we keep yeah. talking about. And Colin gets to drive a series of episodes for a while. So uh, I'm excited. Because, again, literally, Sweet. still, as of time recording this, no idea how the fuck Jared and I are going to watch them. So <laughs> I'll have to be uh, dropboxing them to you after I record it. Watch it Just a day put later. your phone on and stream it. Just be like, <laughs> is it on zone for you again? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, the Pan Am games, the Commonwealth games were the only ones that were on DAZN. Pan Am games last time were still on CBC. So the, I don't know if CBC is going to be available outside of Canada, but I mean, maybe there'll be something on YouTube. We'll, we'll try to track something down for you. Good. I'm glad because I, I still never forget when you talked about DAZN was that 2018, wasn't it? And then it sort yeah. of became like this big thing and it's now they're sponsoring Huge. like major sports teams and all this kind of stuff. And NFL. Yeah. Well, when I was living in Canada, that's how I watched the NFL. It was on DAZN. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. DAZN. Yeah, DAZN. And this episode is brought to you by DAZN. We thank our sponsors. Um, yeah. So uh, lots of great interviews that we won't even tell you what they are coming up after the Women's World Cup. But the Women's World Cup is going to be the more entertaining part because Jared's with us and that's all it takes to be entertaining on the and show. We will be at games. So obviously you heard you us talk be, about yeah. those games last week and I will be in more more to come with Jimmy. So maybe I'll get Jimmy to come on. We'll do an audio bit with Jimmy at a knockout game and uh, hear his thoughts. Why not? And if there's no coverage here in Canada for you, you can live stream from your seats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'll watch it. That's what we'll do. Exactly. This That's is an arrangement. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you again to Simon Whitfield. Uh, shout out to the Birmingham Bull. Um, shout out to Jason Momoa. Uh, what else do we do on this? Uh, something about Put a sock a in a mountain. Put uh, a so- sock in a mountain. You took man. the words Remember right out of my to- mouth. <laughs> Get the words right out of my mouth, uh, vegetarians and all, and remember to go left.